Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Thanks, everyone. You can have a seat, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jasmine and the team. Thanks so much, guys. Even the drummer. Thanks, the drummer. Amen. Amen. Amen to the drummer. That's for you, Sean. Elder Sean. <laughs> It's good to see you all. Well, can I get the lights just in the back there? Just last line. Uh, I'd love to see you, you guys when I'm, I'm preaching, and so, uh, uh, you know, I think of tech and lights working and everything working. I think of the people who Jesus had around him who fixed canoes and, and boats, you know, They're like the tech team sometimes, people nobody pays attention to, and they're just preparing boats and getting people ready. But we've been trying to uh, encourage you to think about this fall in a way where we help ask you to kind of go with us in the scriptures, listening to the ways that Jesus transformed people's lives. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this. Sometimes, you know, you read the Bible, you hear a story, and you're like, how does this story apply to me? Like, I'm not sure. And so we've been trying to do that. And, and if you were here last week, you also know that we're not just doing that here, but we're also celebrating with another group of, of some students and people who are watching us online uh, from a place called Ambrose House. Ambrose House is a, a cafe venue downtown Montreal. Some students are watching, so let me say hi to anyone watching from Ambrose House. We're so excited to soon be launching some home groups in the downtown core and see what God teaches us as we do that together. And, and so this morning, I, I want to just let you know that if, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, you might have realized that like religion and the church and, and, and just what we believe about God has kind of been in the news over the past little while. Maybe some of you, you know, you, you haven't heard about this, but uh, this week actually there was a big announcement about the government of Quebec committing another $40 million dollars to religious heritage teaching here in the province. I don't know if you heard this. We're going to try and get half of that for our church and see how that works since, since we're doing this, right? Uh, if if anyone, any of you have a connection with Francois Legault, maybe uh, send a text link to our feed. But I heard about that. I'm like, that's great news. It's great news when you think about that. People in Quebec are trying to maybe connect to the religious heritage. And if you've been part of our uh, learning series, you've been part of our church, you know that sometimes religion becomes just that, right? Something in the past that we remember. Uh, I often talk about how it's so easy for the church to become a museum, places you visit when you're on vacation. And actually, as part of this announcement, some people had asked Francois Legault, you know, about what he believes. And he had a great comment. This is what he said. This is exactly one of his quotes that he said in one of his press conferences. He says this, he says, I'm not practicing, but I hope there's something after death. And I thought, it's kind of cool. I think there's something about us that really wants to believe that there's hope after this life. I wish Francois Legault and a lot of people who maybe have religious memory understood that when you really get serious about learning about Jesus, you realize that there's no way of following Jesus without being practicing of Jesus' ways. There's no such thing as really being a non-practicing person who loves Jesus, right? But I think all of us over time get into that habit. 
we learn that somehow maybe believing about God or reading the Bible is something we just have in our heads, that we can tell other people when they're wrong or you know, win an argument on the internet, but that not we have to practice anything or do anything, because that takes work and we're tired and you have to sacrifice, and we don't want any of that. And after a while, we start to think, oh, we can just know about Jesus, tell other people about Jesus, even say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but know nothing about what it means to really practice the things that Jesus invites us to practice. And we've been trying to learn together what it means to do that and to see that people who practiced what Jesus said started to experience this deep transformation. And the word that we've used in the series is that they were never the same. Never the same. They met Jesus and they're like, there's something about him. He healed our home. He did something in our lives. He restored the way I understood about God. And people said, this guy's the real deal. And this morning, I want to talk to you about someone that for me is a great image of hope in the Bible, that people can change. Maybe you've gotten to a place in your life where you stop believing that, right? Sometimes maybe you feel that in your own life. You're like, you know, I'm not changing the way I want to change, or you get discouraged because you thought somebody would have changed. You married some of those people and they still haven't changed. You know, you know the feeling, right? Your kids are not changing. You know, things are not changing. And then every so often, you need a reminder that Jesus had a way of helping people see change as real transformation. He met them and their lives were transformed forever. And if you've missed any of the week so far, you can go online and watch some of the people that we've looked at that Jesus met. And this morning, I want to look at a person that maybe you've never heard of, and it's actually a person who's a religious leader. He's a person who knows a lot about God. He's a person who's met his whole, spent a lot of his life learning the scriptures Kind of reminds you like of a pastoral leader or someone who kind of, you know, knows how to teach about God and knows how to help people be obedient in the ways of God. And one day he hears Jesus speak and he's like, hmm, Jesus, there's something about him. And we're invited to kind of listen in on this conversation because this conversation happens in secret. This person realizes that going to speak to Jesus might not be something other people will think is good. Because he's kind of has a, kind of an image to, to hold up to, right? Like, you don't want to tell everybody, like, you went to church. It might not be good. And in John's gospel, one of the, one of the writers of, of, uh, of the gospels, he tells us about this person, and I want to just kind of read you the beginning of how it starts when Jesus meets this person. This is what we're told. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's called the Sanhedrin. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. It's kind of great. If you've never read your Bible, you might see some words in the story that you're like, that's kind of weird, I don't know what that means. You know, I might just use Nico, short for Nicodemus, just to help us. I'm sure he had a nickname. And he's with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that he's a Pharisee. This is really, really an important word. It's an important word because it's often misunderstood. Actually, in English, we have an English word that we use that comes from that word. It's to be pharisaical. Any of you ever use that word? Some of you English majors. You're like, I use it, all right? You got it. It's to be self-righteous or to be holier than thou. It's a very negative thing. If somebody calls you pharisaical, they're not telling you something nice, telling you something bad. It comes from the way people thought about people like Nicodemus. They were these religious leaders, and oftentimes their religious fervor for God got out of hand, and they became so religious that following God became like almost like a a job, very legalistic, very, very structured. 
And I think when I was growing up and I was learning about like the Bible and about God, I always thought, don't be like a Pharisee, don't be like a Pharisee, don't be like a Pharisee, right? You're just taught that. Or you maybe remember words like this, you know, the Pharisees are about the laws, but Jesus was about grace. You probably heard that. Or, you know, you'll hear language in church to say, you know, we're not about religion, we're about a relationship, okay? All that stuff is so not helpful. And it's all actually, I'm actually going to encourage you to never think about the Pharisees like that ever again, because it's wrong. Actually, the Pharisees are those who in the Bible times would have seen as being very, very fervent, so much so that there's times where Jesus actually encourages people to listen to the Pharisees. Before I go further, let me just show you this and help you understand how important this is. In Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is talking about being hypocrites, this is what he says. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, Nicodemus, sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do what? To do everything they tell you. You're like, what? Wait a second. I thought Jesus was going to tell us that, that they're all wrong. No, no, he says, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. It's very interesting, right? That the Pharisees are not necessarily bad because of who they are. They're bad because they're so good at telling other people stuff they never practice. And Jesus knows that many of the teachings of the Pharisees that come from the teaching of Moses and from the Torah is very, very important, and it's very good. And so he'll tell people, hey, hey, you do what the Pharisees are saying as it's linked to the teaching of the Torah, because Jesus himself came to say, I've come to fulfill, actually, the teachings of the Jewish people. You're going to see this in me. And I struggled with that, because I'm like, I hear the word Pharisee, and I'm like, that's bad, and that's good. And we come up with these simplistic ideas of what it means to be a Pharisee, and then we're like, I don't want to be that, and I don't want to be like you, you're legalistic. And then Jesus is like, no, no, it's actually more complicated than that. Jesus reveals something that's so important for us, that relationships and people are complicated. It's very easy to put somebody in a box and say they do this, they're like this, they voted like this, they speak a certain language, and you, cata- you put them in a category, right? And Jesus is like, no, people are complex. And sometimes you have to listen and wait and get to know them and see where they're at. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he's like, I, I have some questions. If you're-, if you're taking notes, I want you to write something down about the passage. You can go back to the passage just the beginning, and you'll see it there. I think I even highlighted it for you. That, that Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi. Okay, I explained to you what a Pharisee is. Okay, a religious teacher who's really, really serious. Many people respect a Pharisee. Some people thought Jesus was kind of like the Pharisees because he was a teacher. But the word rabbi, how many of you use the word rabbi this week? Anyone? No? There you go. And that's why we don't read our Bible. Right? Because we see words we're like, I don't even know what this means. I, you, know, you have to hope you find the little note at the bottom. So rabbi means to be a teacher. It's the Jewish word for a teacher. And it's so important, like if you're taking notes, you have a Bible, you want to remember this, that you should probably circle this in your Bible. That another Jewish teacher who's already on the ruling council of Jerusalem would call Jesus a rabbi. It means that Nicodemus is already at the place where he's starting to recognize that Jesus is not someone you can just ignore. He's starting to realize that there's something about Jesus that makes him the kind of teacher that we need to take more seriously than some people are taking seriously. And think about how hard it would have been to be Nicodemus. Think about how hard it would have been to be somebody who spent his whole life being a teacher, teaching other people, being a religious leader, and now to go to a young 33-year-old rabbi who's a single guy at night and ask him questions because he needs to still learn something. Nicodemus is such an encouraging person for me. I think of someone who's older and someone that, you know, I've often think of times where I've prayed for God to send mentors into my life. 
I've often prayed that God would send mentors into my life like Nicodemus. People who are older but not arrogant. People who are older and are not like we know it all. People who are older and who are still humble and know that they need to learn. People who are those kinds of people. And by God's grace, I have had some of those people in my life, some mentors who are older and who are always learning. And the most shocking thing to, in my life that some of my own mentors, I've preached to them, which is very, very weird because I'm, I'm younger and, and they listen and they're learning. Nicodemus is like, Jesus, there's something about you like, and I need your help. And, and let's just acknowledge that you are a rabbi. No matter what people are saying about you, there's something about you that's serious. Maybe you're at this place in your life where you're like, you know what, you know the Bible, you have a great story, you understand the stories of the Bible, but God is maybe just prompting you to experience what it would be like for you to be open to learn some new things. If you've been to the 180, some of the language that we often use here is that you have to unlearn certain things. You have to unlearn certain things and learn things in a newer way. Now, this can be scary for people because like, they feel like, oh, are the things I learned before, are they all wrong? They're, they're not all wrong. But maybe they were stepping stones to what God's going to teach you now. And Nicodemus is, is there, and he's with Jesus, and it's nighttime. And again, there's a sense that Jesus and Nicodemus are going to have this conversation, and we're, we get to like peek into this conversation. I remember times in my life where I was scared to admit that I needed to learn, that I needed to grow up. It's always very easy to grow old and never grow up. It's always going to be the pattern in our lives. But more and more, we need to be people who are open to listen and to say, there's something about Jesus that's further here. And Nicodemus shows up. And then Nicodemus and Jesus start having this conversation. Now, a few weeks ago, I encouraged you to go and read some of the stories. Any of you remember the story I encouraged you to go read that none of you read? The story of the woman at the well? Because it's a long story, right? So in 30 minutes, I can't like get it all out. And I can't wait for our home groups and, and when we learn, because we can go deeper in our groups, so sign up for home groups. Right? But sometimes I encourage you to go read those stories so you can get the bigger picture. I have about 30 or 35 minutes right, to kind of walk you through this. So this is a great story for you to go read this week. There's the whole story of Jesus talking to Nicodemus and what he teaches them and what he teaches us. And at one point as they're talking, Jesus says to Nicodemus, well, you know what? You, you get to understand this, Nicodemus. Like, you have to be born again. And it's so funny that this is what, what we're told. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is so profound. Like, they're, they're, they're learning, and Nicodemus is like, listen, I've been a teacher for a long time. I don't know what you're talking about, this born again stuff. Like, I've never heard that, born again. Where did it come from, this born again idea? You know, maybe he's saying it in a nice way because Jesus, but I'm just saying. There, there's a moment, and how many of you have ever heard the idea of being born again? Ever hear that? If you've ever watched like TV, they kind of make fun of it. The Simpsons have an episode. Like, there's, there's all kinds of things. Because born-again language is now almost seen as like a joke to talk about church people. Actually, this is the section of the Bible where you actually see the verses, which we'll get to in a second, where Jesus says that for God loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, right? It's called the end times uh, verse. You ever, you ever hear that name for it? That the end zone Bible verse, because if you watch football, somebody's holding a John 3.16 sign in the end zone. It's true. It's famous for being like shown on TV, but nobody who's watching football is going to go get their Bible and read the verse. Right? They might look it up. What, the, what is John 3? What does that even mean? It's Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Now, if you have a, a Bible that's kind of a study Bible, I want to tell you something to help you understand born again in a deeper way. 
Because Jesus says to be born again, which actually means to be born from above. The Greek word for born again actually can also mean from above, okay? And what that means is that Jesus needs Nicodemus to answer, uh, understand that although there's things that are going on in our world, there's something that God is doing through Jesus that's going to give people a perspective from above. That's what's about to happen. Now, I never learned that when I was young. When I was young, I learned born again, which is like, come to the altar, watch some preacher online, put your hand on the TV, something magical, and then I'll be a Christian. I never actually understood what Jesus is actually telling Nicodemus. And as Nicodemus starts to think about this, something starts to happen in his heart. He begins to realize, this I've never heard before. What does it mean to be those who are born from above? What does it mean to be those who are willing to let God give us a new perspective about our lives that is His perspective that's bigger than just how we feel or see our lives in the moment? That God says to Nicodemus, that listen to me, Nicodemus, like you should understand this. Very truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born from above. Now, when I was really, really young, I remember learning the story and thinking part of being born again equals go to heaven when you die. That's how I learned about this. Maybe you've never heard this before, and if you haven't, God has spared you in some ways, right? Because it's hard to unlearn it all to, to learn it again. But, but I just want you to see that in the side, Jesus says, not you'll be born again, and then you'll die and go to heaven. He says, very truly, I tell you, you, can, you, no one can see the kingdom of God if they're not born from above. What Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand is that Nicodemus will never understand what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is about to do. He will never see the kingdom of God at work in his midst if he's not born from above with a different perspective. Many of us need to learn what it means to begin to see our lives not as just something that happens, busy every week, squeeze in a bit of religion on Sunday, and then just go on living our own lives. I think when I was young, I was so tempted to believe in being born again to die and go to heaven. You know why? Because that means I could have my ticket to heaven and live my life however I wanted the rest of the week. That's a good deal. A bit of God, and then keep doing what I want every single day. Isn't that great? You're like, sweet. I don't have to even change anything. I could tell other people when they're being sinners, and I can you know, maybe tell other people I have problems, but not for me. But what Jesus says to Nicodemus, and I think what he says to all of us is, no, no, Nicodemus, you need to understand this. When you're born from above, you see what God is doing in a way that you never did before. Fix my microphone. Sorry, Will. Uh, and I think for me, I often have struggled to see my life having purpose or meaning or, or feeling like my life made sense. I remember being a student in, in university, and for a long time, I actually was learning the Bible and felt so out of God's will. And people would tell me that. They're like, oh, you know, do you know what you're going to do with your life? I'm like, nope. Do you know how God might use you? I'm like, nope, I have no idea. And so this morning, as we learn with Nicodemus, we see that Jesus is going to say to him, hey, what would it look like if you started to see your life from a different perspective? If you're a parent, you know that this is something you do with your kids all the time. You know, when your kids are struggling or they're having a rough week, you're trying to say to them, hey, hey, let's look at the bigger perspective, right? So just think about that God is doing that with us all the time. Don't get lost in this rough week. Don't get discouraged because you didn't do good on your test. Don't worry. I know it's, it's okay. But there's a bigger perspective. Just watch now. The language of the Bible for this is to be born from above, to see things from a new perspective. And then Jesus and Nicodemus are going to go just a bit further. 
Because Nicodemus has to understand that the kingdom of God is not something you go to when you die. Can you just agree today to never say this again? That the kingdom of God does not equal going to heaven. That's why Jesus says that if Nicodemus has a new perspective, he can actually see the kingdom of God at work in, its midst, in his midst. This is so important. Because I, I often thought about, look, I just want to go to heaven when I die. And I don't know. I don't even know if God is even doing anything in this world. Actually, the world is horrible. God is not doing anything. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Nicodemus, if you listen to my teaching, you should know now that there's a way of seeing this world as if God has entered it and is beginning to transform the most broken and messy things that you've seen in this world. And you know what that means, Nicodemus? Is that you're understanding that God is giving you a new perspective. Nicodemus, you're being born again. You're seeing things in a new way. And as they go back and forth and they have this discussion, there's a few verses, Jesus is just going to push Nicodemus to think just a bit further, just a little bit deeper. Because remember, this is a religious leader. He can take it, right? He should be able to understand this. This is what we're told. It's profound. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Whoa. Okay, what's up with that? You should not be surprised at my saying, Jesus says, you must be born again. I just think about Nicodemus. Is he a smart guy or like not smart guy? Pretty smart. Religious leader, sits on the council, knows the Torah, understands the Bible, and he has trouble understanding Jesus. For some of you, you might be discouraged that you struggle to understand who Jesus is. I often think what a great gift for us to have Nicodemus, who has all of these questions for Jesus, because he still doesn't really understand. You've heard us say it before, and I'll say it again. We want to be the kinds of people who create space for people who have questions about Jesus. They have questions about the Bible. They have questions about heaven and about the kingdom of God. If Nicodemus has questions, we're going to have questions. If Nicodemus, who's like the Bible teacher uh, you know, of the time, one of those great teachers, he's like, this Jesus, like, he's making me think more. He's making me grow more. One of the most dangerous places in your life will be the, the time in your life where you stop asking questions. Churches are famous for this, by the way. Churches are famous for being places where people come, They're told what to believe, and they leave. We want to be the kind of place where people can come and we can help them learn how to believe so they can live out their faith every single day. And that requires questions and answers and discussion, being like, okay, i got to think about it in a new way. And by the way, that's not our idea. It's what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, okay, I have more questions. And now Jesus, if, if Nicodemus didn't have more questions, Jesus just gave him more questions. Because Jesus starts talking about spirit and flesh because Nicodemus thinks that to be born again means to go back in your mother's belly. If you read it, you're going to be like, you're like, Nicodemus, are you pretending to not understand? Because you're a smart guy. Maybe he is. I don't know. We don't know. Maybe Nicodemus is like, yeah, really? You're going to be born again. What does that mean? Go back in your mother's belly and be born? Jesus is like, Nicodemus, you're a smart guy. Let's, Let's go a bit further. It actually means that you would understand that God is working both in the way of the flesh and in the way of the spirit. Now, again, I want to just help you understand this. And I took a pretty complicated idea, and I want to make it very simple. You can go to the next slide. And I just wanted to give you just an image in your mind. That oftentimes when we learn about the idea of the flesh, the word flesh means many different things in the Bible. Okay? 
Sometimes the word flesh means something negative. It means something bad. Flesh means of the world, okay? But oftentimes the word flesh just means flesh. It means like skin and body and being human, okay? Like think of an example. Right now, how many of you would say you're getting tired? Put your hand up. Don't lie. I could see some of you are like falling asleep. So I, like, I'm like, just put your hand. Exactly, right here. Right? You're getting tired. That means you are made of flesh. Is that good or bad? It's kind of neutral. It's good. Like, it's just like you have, like, yeah, in a sense it is good. It's like you have limits, right? And so the Bible uses the word flesh to say born as a human. And there's a human part. And then Jesus is going to say there's also the spiritual part of you. And in Christianity, this is so important. Those two things are both gifts of God. They both matter. Now, if you don't learn this, you start to think flesh is bad and spirit is good, as if there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit, and sometimes there is. But Nicodemus is going to learn something that Jesus says, that to be born from above is to understand that if you, there's a part of you that's human, and there's part of you that's spirit, your interior life. And Jesus is going to say, watch now how I heal both of those and how you understand that there's something bigger that's happening because you are born again. Because you are born from above. You can understand that there's something bigger than just the flesh or the spirit, but that there's a healing that's happening between both the human part of who we are and the spiritual part of who we are. And, and if, if you don't maybe think about this, Jesus is already going to talk about themes that are going to show up at the resurrection. Because when Jesus resurrects, he's going to resurrect in his body. And there's this tension sometimes that when we don't learn this, we can minimize the humanness of what it means to be human and to learn what it means to, to love God with all of ourselves, all of our bodies, all of our minds, all of our souls, everything that we are. Nicodemus is going to learn that there's this, this moment that Jesus has just taken this conversation to a whole nother level. One of the words that helped me understand is Nicodemus is going from being curious to being convinced that Jesus is, is a better teacher than he ever even thought. But what Nicodemus still doesn't understand is that Jesus is not just a great teacher. He's about to understand something much deeper than this. And that goes much further than what he's having in this conversation. And I'm just going to leave you with the last thing that Jesus says in this conversation with Nicodemus. Last thing because it's the most famous passage in the Bible that many of you know. It comes from this conversation, secretly, Jesus and Nicodemus talking, and Nicodemus being like, I'll never be the same after this conversation. I got questions about the spirit and the flesh and born again, and I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go with this, but we've got to go deeper. Jesus is like, Nicodemus, before you go, just one more thing. Think about this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, if you're taking notes, Numbers 31, 21, so that the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, maybe it says begotten in your translation, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How beautiful. Maybe for the first time you understand how this verse is meant to be seen as a verse in a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. That maybe for the first time we'll understand that saying yes to Jesus and wanting to have this eternal relationship with him begins with being a person who's willing now to see his kingdom at work in our midst. 
It has to do with already saying, I want to be a person who has a perspective from above, and I want to see how God's kingdom is at work now, and because of that, I've seen that Jesus is more than just a teacher, and that one day, I'll experience what that's like with him in its fullness, in the most beautiful, fulfilled way. I meet so many people who want nothing to do with God in this life, but they hope to go to heaven when they die. I tell them all the time, I'm like, you're going to hate heaven. You're going to hate heaven if you don't like anything of God now. And God loves you too much to give you something you've never wanted. Think about it. People are like, oh, God's sending people to heaven. God's not sending you to heaven. You don't even want anything that heaven... They sing in heaven. Do you sing? No. Some of you are like, I hate songs. Okay, you're going to hate that. Okay. I don't like people of other cultures. Okay, it's pretty close to being racist, but I'm like, you're going to hate heaven too. There's a lot of different people there. Okay, you keep going and all the things you hate are going to be in heaven. Make sense? You need to be born again. You need to have a different perspective first. You need to see things from above and then following Jesus and seeing the kingdom at work become something you love now and you just can't wait to see fully lived out in the, when we die. Do you see how beautiful Jesus brings all this together? And he holds it together and Nicodemus is like, this guy, this guy should be on the council. He knows a lot of things. Are you, you're 33 years old, Jesus, you sure? You married? No, okay, can't be on the council. Okay, so some of you got that. But, but there's a sense that Jesus is a controversial person. He's a rabbi and now Nicodemus is like, wow, we don't know what happens after this conversation. You want to know how I picture it in my head? That there's a rooster that's crowing some. There's a rooster that's in the background, and, and Nicodemus is like, okay, it's getting too light, and I got to go. People can't see me here. Got to go, got to go. She's like, later, bud. But we know two more times in the Gospel of John where Nicodemus shows up. Nicodemus went from curious about some questions to now realizing there's something more about this Jesus, that maybe he's a bit more convinced than he ever was that Jesus is not just a teacher. He's not just a Bible teacher that's smart, but he's from God and something else is happening now, that he has a perspective and God is using him that Nicodemus has never thought of before. And we're told in John's gospel, in a few chapters down, that you can read, that Nicodemus is in a room where people are talking bad about Jesus. People are making comments about Jesus, and Nicodemus is there. And the soldiers come, and this is what it says. It's pretty profound. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests, the Pharisees, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? Like, where is this guy? He's like the pokeroo, whatever. Some of you know that, okay? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied, what Nicodemus knew. Nicodemus asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Wait a second. You have Nicodemus who hears people saying like, let's find that Jesus. Where are the guards? How come you didn't bring him in? And Nicodemus is like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. Even our own laws say that before we can condemn someone, we should at least listen to what they're saying. And a person in the room hears Nicodemus say this. And he says, well, what, are you from Galilee? Like, have you been with this guy? You can feel Nicodemus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa I better not show that maybe I know more about Jesus than intended. Like, maybe, like, this is too far. Nicodemus is being transformed little by little from these moments with Jesus. Can I just encourage you that sometimes you can hear stories about someone's life being changed overnight and thinking that that didn't happen to you? 
and then almost think like, oh, maybe God's not with me, instead of realizing that the Bible gives us two examples of how God changes people, not more, but two at least, there are moments where people get it right away. But most of us are Nicodemus. Most of us are going to be slowly curious, then maybe just convinced with uh, like a question or two. Then hear someone say something and say, you know, Jesus was more than that. I think Jesus has something to teach us. And we move from being people who are curious to people who are maybe convinced, and now Nicodemus is going to move to the last step where he's going to commit his life to following Jesus. Because we're told at the end of the gospel of John, only three times we have snapshots of Nicodemus. This is where Nicodemus is at the end. It says this, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. And he was accompanied by Nicodemus, who brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body, and the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. How beautiful. That Nicodemus has moved from being a Pharisee with just some questions to being someone who's sensing, like, I got, I got, to, I got to go just a bit deeper. Like, there's something about this guy to now being there at the end when Jesus is crucified and being ready to say, I'm willing to give up my own money, my own resources, because I'm here, because this is bigger than just Jesus being a good teacher. Now, we don't know. When did Nicodemus get born again? When did Nicodemus accept Jesus in his heart as Lord and Savior? When did that happen? We don't know. But Nicodemus slowly continued to move closer and closer to the ways of Jesus. I'm going to invite the team to come up and just lead us in the song Amazing Grace. And I just want to encourage some of you that one of the reasons we've done a series called Never the Same is so that you would get serious about going just the next step with Jesus. For some of you, that's a first step. For some of you, you're still the Nicodemus phase one. You're still just curious. You still just have some questions. Like you have some Bible stories. Maybe you, you know some stories about religion and you're like, but I'm like, You've never explored who Jesus really is in a deeper way. You maybe still think, oh, Pharisee is a bad thing and I know the Bible and whatever. And, and God's saying, you know what? Just take the next step. Can I just encourage you what the next step might be for you? I don't do this often. I don't tell you what to do because you get mad. Trust me, nobody likes to be told what to do. But can I encourage you to maybe sign up for Alpha? Just sign up for Alpha. You still have questions. You're just not sure. Alpha is a great place with comments about people who don't believe in anything, people who are atheists, people who are Buddhists, conversation, just an open space. Nicodemus part one. Just got questions. And you know what? You might need to come to Alpha, but you know someone else who needs to come to Alpha with you. You know someone who just has some questions. And they're not sure. And they're like confused. And, you know, I was sharing this with, in our Bible study this week, you know, that I, I've been talking to some guys who were at my house that were doing some work and at one point they asked me, hey, what do you do? And I was like, I kind of help at a church and I'm like kind of a, like a priest. And they're like, really? And you know, they were confused because of my tattoos. They're like, are those real? I'm like, yeah, it's complicated, whatever. And they're talking while I'm there and they're like, hey, preacher guy, you know, what about this? They have all these comments, you know, funny jokes about preachers and whatever. And one of them says, you know, I hope it's nice on Sunday because I got to play some golf. Early start early tee off. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. We play golf. I said, that's all. I said, I checked my phone and it's supposed to maybe rain Sunday. I said, if it rains, I have a better idea. 
you should come to church. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, let's just say, I'll save you a seat. Just come. And you could see it was like, I think I'm serious. <laughs> I just said, God, maybe they're curious. I'm curious. Jesus, do what you do. For some of you, there's people around you. Jesus has been preparing them to just ask another question. Alpha, just how you're growing. They're Nicodemus. Maybe they have some Bible story. Maybe they don't. If they don't, obviously they're not like Nicodemus. But they, they're, they're, they're willing to ask questions. They're curious. They're not proud and acting like they know it all. And you can say, just, I, I remember that quite. That's a good question. Where does the Bible come from? That's a great question. Alpha talks about that. Just come. But for some of you, for some of you, you've been convinced that Jesus is Lord, but you're not committed to his way of life. You're just not yet. You, you, you kind of know the stories and you come once in a while, but you're not really taking that next step to say, I need to move from just being curious to being really like committed so that the life of Jesus starts to form me in a deeper way. Let me just tell you that thousands of ads every single day on your phone and on your TV is never going to form you in the way of Jesus if you don't take this seriously. Never. Years ago, I used to hear a story from my, my mom. She used to cook. And I used to ask her how she would make things. And she would say, well, the more you put in there, the more you find. You ever hear that saying? It sounds nicer in Italian or maybe in other languages. Well, the more you put in the pot, the more is in there. You're making soup, put a lot of stuff in there. And I thought about it. I'm like, it is true. Then you taste something. Like, it's amazing. What did you put in there? I'm like, I don't know. It was just whatever was in the fridge. We just cooked it up. It's a, it's a simple principle that applies to our faith. The more you put it into it, the more you'll find that's there. And so many people I meet are discouraged about their relationship with God, but they never put anything into it. It applies to your marriage. It applies to relationship. What time you put into it is what you'll find when you need it. It's moving from just curious, knowing the story, but really committed to growing. When that happens, other people will start to see that Jesus is not just a great teacher, although he is that. But he does something deep in people that when people meet him, they are never And just like Nicodemus, what starts to happen? Then we want to be generous. We want to give of our time and our money. And how do we help the kingdom and the story of Jesus spread so other people see the kingdom of Jesus as well? So other people are born from above as well. They can understand that their life, it's not just about what's happening now, but it's about what's going to happen and how God is at work in a deeper way. Let me have you stand. I'm going to invite you to sing. The words of our faith that capture that it's because of grace that Jesus helps us and loves us as we go from being curious, as we go from being convinced, as we go to being committed. It's Jesus, it's grace that walks with us in that. Let's sing the song before we close.
as I was uh, preparing this week and uh, just praying, I had a moment in my mind of what it would have been like for Nicodemus to tell John this story. Because John is the person who wrote the story for us. I had a moment of what it would have been like for Nicodemus to repeat the story to John. To tell John about that night when he was still afraid and not sure what he believed. And John would have said, keep going, keep going. What else happened? What else did Jesus say? Well, he said something about flesh and spirit, and I didn't really get it all, but it was serious. And then he talked about Moses and the serpent. I remember that. Write that down. Get that in there, okay? Put it all together. And I kept thinking, like, at one point, does Nicodemus start to cry? At what point does Nicodemus, the religious leader, start to say, I'm never going to be the same, John. Never going to be the same. I was there when he died and we wrapped him up. But he did not stay dead. That's why we have the Gospel of John, by the way. He did not stay dead. Because Jesus does something to us and he finds us where we are. And at every point in this story, I would have probably been said things to Nicodemus. How is it that you don't know this? There's no shame with Jesus. There's no like making fun of Nicodemus. There's like, just come, come. That's a good question. Keep walking. That's really, really great. Let's keep going. And he moves along. Some of you are ready. You're ready to say yes to this new way with all of your questions and all of your doubts. Jesus is a pro at that stuff. Just come. And you know this, that some of you are past that and you're ready to be baptized. You know the stories, you're committed, but you have never been baptized because flesh must be purified and it's put in water and then the Spirit connects in a deeper way. That's why we do baptism. So as we close today, can I encourage you to think about maybe a time where God's going to help you share with someone else when Jesus found you the way Jesus found Nicodemus? To share a bit of like what happened when You just were like, I had so many questions, but he was more than a teacher. He became my Lord, and everything changed. Let's pray. Jesus, you have been so good to us. Thank you for being so kind to Nicodemus. That reveals your character and goodness for those who have questions and are confused and overwhelmed and wondering. We think of people in our lives, people in this province, people maybe watching online who still are not sure how this all fits. We understand. Thank you that you draw us closer to you by learning the scriptures and hearing of how you walked with others who were far from you. I pray for anyone in this room or anyone listening online that senses your spirit working, that it's time for them to move from just being curious to being convinced that you're more than just a teacher, that you would reveal yourself, that you would help them to understand that it's time for them now to take the next step. Would you help us as a church to encourage that, to walk with others, And to do what the scriptures say. To be those who live fully committed to you in the flesh and in the spirit. 
as we go now, we pray that this week would be a week where we would pay attention to how you are giving us a perspective from above. You would help us to see the smallest conversations, the most difficult conflicts from a new perspective. Because we were born again. Because we have new insight to see your kingdom at work in our lives every single day. Teach us how to do that, Jesus. So that you would be glorified through us. We pray you would go with us now and encourage us and continue to help us to be your disciples. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, bless you, everyone. Just a reminder, you can still sign up for our Bible study this Thursday. Get on our website for home groups and don't forget your kids. Love you, everyone.